Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR. You're listening in on 8.55am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3CR Online. This week we are going to be talking to Dr. Scott Blair West, who is a consultant psychiatrist who specialises in anxiety disorders. And we're going to be talking a little bit about obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD. Uh, Interviewing today, we have Terry and Steph. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. Well, could you please just firstly explain to our listeners what obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD is? Sure. Um, OCD is, I call it an anxiety disorder. Um, It's been reclassified slightly um, recently. But anyway, um, basically people with OCD have obsessions and compulsions. So an obsession is, in most cases, an intrusive thought. So the classic one is intrusive thoughts about being contaminated. But there are lots of other ones, intrusive thoughts about um, causing harm, Um, and all sorts of other things too. And those thoughts make people quite anxious and then they do a compulsion in order to get rid of the thought or get rid of the anxiety. So the people with contamination worries, they'll usually wash hands. The people with worries about causing harm might check or look for reassurance or do some other sort of things. And the mostly obsessions are thoughts but some people get, will get intrusive images, so just like a video will pop into their head almost. Um, and th- they're often some of the more, more scary ones. Mm. Um, and the compulsions, well, people can do compulsive behaviours for ages and ages and ages. Mm. And usually we say it's OCD if it affects their life a lot or if they spend, you know, as, as an arbitrary amount, an hour a day doing things. Okay. So, you know, obsessions and compulsions sort of add up to OCD. Can you um, tell us, uh, give us some examples of compulsions, what sort of things people might do? Um, well, the, as I said, the, common, the, the, the commonest ones probably relate to the fear of contamination and washing. Right. So people just wash their hands repetitively or yep. shower excessively. Um, that's probably still the most common form of, of OCD. Probably about a third of the people have that. Um, but then there's issues relating to harm. So those are the people who'll check things. So they might worry, for example, that as they leave the house, they've left something on. So they have to go back and they have to check everything. Or they actually have a routine where they just go around and check things, um, electrical things, uh, the water sometimes, usually the the, um, the door as they go out. But there's lots of other checking behaviours. And sometimes the thing that we've we've realised recently is a lot of people do physical compulsion. So they actually wash or physically check things. But they also do it in their head as well. So they do mental compulsion. So there's um, 
there's a person who I've seen for a long time who would wonder as she walked past someone in the street that mm. she might have somehow hit her or knocked her over or something like that. So she would pause and try to imagine the whole scene in her head. She'd create a little right. video in her head to reassure herself that nothing bad had happened. That was actually an improvement because what mm. she used to do was she used to run after people and check that they were okay. Wow, and yeah. I'm sure there are a few people who got a little bit anxious about that. Yes. But, um, but then, yeah, she'd do it all in her head basically after that. Oh. So physical compulsions and, and, and sort of mental compulsions as mm. well. Oh. Approximately how many people are affected by OCD and is it more common in men or women or older or younger people, would you say? It's, it's about the same in men and women, okay. um, which is, um, you know, a little unusual in anxiety disorders because mm. usually women... Are, are a bit more overrepresented in other anxiety problems. Mm. Um, we think there's been a few community studies, and in general, it looks like about two percent of the population have OCD. So, someone told me today we've we just hit 25 million. So that means half a million people in Australia have OCD. Mm. Now, that's important, and I'd say in Victoria, you'd have mm. you generally have enough people with OCD without if we put them all together they'd fill the MCG mm. now probably about a third of them are actually getting treatment mm. at any one time um, so there's a whole and this is the same with all anxiety disorders mm. it's probably the same with depression as well that there's a large number of people there who have the problem who don't want to talk about it mm. who are worried about talking about it um, or who just don't really want to even think about it mm. really they'd rather just sort of ignore oh. it do you think that would be related to like stigma or more not maybe the individual not understanding what's what they're experiencing or I think it's both th of those okay. yeah. Um, uh, yeah I'm sure that there are some people I mean we, we see a lot of people who say oh like I had these symptoms because often they start pretty young I mean you know one of the things that we we've only we, we've recognized more as as time's gone on in the last maybe 10 years is that mm. a lot of people have OCD symptoms from when they're very young so um, there's a couple of people that I've been seeing in our hospital program at the moment who had their first symptoms when they were in primary school and then it sort of got, you know, it, it, it sort of was waxing and waning a bit and then usually late teens it becomes a lot more severe. So usually when they're young they have no idea unless they've got someone in the family with OCD and that happens a bit mm -hmm. um, or they watch a TV show where it's on or they hear a, hear a radio show like this or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of people who just don't really know what it is and, and who are scared about, you know, what it might be. Um, I mean, if you, one of the, uh, a common, well, a commoner symptom now are people who have intrusive thoughts, sexual thoughts. Mm. So these are people, um, so there's all sorts here, but the one that is the most distressing for people is the, the worry that they might harm children. They might be mm. a paedophile. Now... You could imagine that, you know, if you were, you know, a, a, you know, an adolescent or even a young adult, or particularly, let's say you were, you know, you just had your you were pregnant, or you, or if you were a young father, you wouldn't want to talk about that stuff. People mm. would think that you were a paedophile, and they'd be, you know, arranging for other things. But, you know, these people have OCD. They had that intrusive thought, you know, what if I did something or something like that. Mm. So. There's a lot of stigma in that area, so those sort of areas, those people don't want to talk about stuff. Mm. Oh. Um, but yeah, in a lot of other cases, you just don't know. Part of the problem is that you know not all of our 
GPs and psychologists and psychiatrists are very good at in, in, in picking up OCD either. Mm. You're currently in private practice as a psychiatrist specialising in OCD and other anxiety disorders. How did you come to specialise in it? Um, look, it was just... It was just fortuitous, really. I was training um, at the Austin Hospital and we had uh, a patient who I looked after, uh, one in the hospital in the, the inpatient program, one in, as an outpatient. And, I mean, I I find OCD sort of endlessly sort of interesting and, and fascinating. I mean, it's it's complicated because for a lot of people it's incredibly distressing as well. Mm. Um, but I, I, I don't know, it's just my mind. I like the idea of trying to figure things out. So I'm trying to get in there and figure out, you know, what is it that you're worrying about? What's the ultimate fear that you have? Um, and so I started off with a little bit of interest and then um, there was one of my bosses uh, was fin- finishing up a research project with OCD and she said, oh, would you like to look after these dozen patients with OCD? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So that's really where it started. Uh, and it's sort of continued on from there. Mm. Mm. So you've mentioned um, that OCD is like comprised by the obsession and the compulsion kind of components. Um, could you elaborate a little bit more on how it commonly, how OCD commonly presents itself and what other kinds of issues or behaviours are associated with it? Sure. Um, well, uh, we've, we've touched on this a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's different varieties of OCD. Mm. So, you know, contamination, harm, mm. um, but then other things too. Some people, you know, like things to be beautifully square and symmetrical. Mm. Um, uh, you know, other people uh, are hoarders. Mm. Um, and look, sometimes what happens is that the person we talked before about how they don't may not like to talk about stuff. So oftentimes people with OCD will present with depression mm. because, you know, they've had their OCD for a long time and they're not really too keen to talk about it, but it becomes pretty evident that, you know, they're, they're really down or they're highly anxious. Mm. So, you know, I, I see a lot of people who were originally diagnosed with depression and the OCD is sort of, it's there, but it's been sort of hidden away mm. a bit. Um, and, you know, that's how we sort of eventually get to it. Yeah, there you go. Mm. What separates OCD from other commonly known anxiety disorders, such as general anxiety disorder? That's a really interesting and tough question. The answer is often not a whole lot. Um, what we think, and again, I, I, I'm, you can stop me if I'm getting too technical, but so OCD is intrusive thoughts, compulsive behaviours. Um, generalised anxiety, I think, is um, excessive worrying, and usually they worry about different sort of things to OCD people. So OCD people, I've told you what they worry about, but worriers tend to worry about everyday stuff. So you know, how's my work going? Is my relationship going to fail? Um, have I got enough money? Are my kids okay? Is my health okay? So that tends to be what we call generalised anxiety, and that's more a, a sort of a worry condition. And But look, there's, there can be overlap, and the classic overlap is about worrying about health. Mm. So health anxiety is has a bit of the, the sort of the worrying tendency, but it also has a bit of OCD-ish aspects because mm. these people can sometimes end up checking repetitively. So, you know, they worry about, let's say, they've got um, a melanoma. So they've got a spot on their, on their wrist and they're mm. checking it repetitively and that can certainly look like OCD. Mm. And we'd probably say that's sort of not quite OCD but in the mm. middle. But, mm. you know, the... the um, 
the difference is not great in some cases. And the other aspect is you can sort of have people who are worriers and who have OCD as mm-hmm. well. And, you know, you can all, we have, there's a, there's a few other um, anxiety disorders, so panic disorder is another mm-hmm. one, and you can certainly get panic attacks in people who have OCD as well. Um, and social anxiety is another thing, sort of this mm-hmm. morbid shyness, and that often goes together with, um, with all of these things as well. So mm-hmm. it's common to see people who come along with, with, um, with OCD and you actually realise they're actually really shy as well at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, there are also some lesser known anxiety disorders, such as skin picking or trichotillomania, I mm-hmm. believe. Uh, how do these differ from OCD? They're, they're regarded now as OCD-related disorders. Um, and they're related, I guess, because you know they have there's a repetitive action that people just do over and over and over again. Um, look, the simplest way to think about it is that OCD people have an intrusive thought first, so let's say contamination, mm. and that that causes anxiety and leads them to perform the compulsion. People with hair pulling, for example, don't mm. have an intrusive thought. They mm. they they might get a sort of an ill-defined sort of urge to do mm. something, or they might feel you know oh, I just need to scratch my, the side of mm. my head, um, and the skin pickers are a bit the same. They mm. don't have a sort of a, a thought that starts the process. Mm. It's more. Sometimes it's a sensation or mm. sometimes it's just a, a feeling that they need to do it. Mm. Um, but they're sort of related and they do coexist a bit. I mean, the, mm. the incidence of, of OCD in people with um, hair pulling, that's trichotillomania, mm. is pretty high. Are there any other mental illnesses commonly seen alongside OCD, the such co- as depression or yeah. substance abuse? Um, I was wondering, well, I don't know that you call it a mental illness, but autism. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting thing that you should raise because it's become very sort of discussed at the moment. There's mm. a lot of people talking about, you know, what we used to call Asperger's syndrome and now call uh, autistic spectrum disorder. Um, but look, I'll, I'll come back to that. that. But the first one you mentioned is the most important. Depression is mm. sort of almost universal with people who have, you know, OCD of, of severity over any length of time. Mm. Um, and it, it sort of fits the bill that if you've got any sort of upsetting condition, whether mm. it be, you know, OCD or um, pain condition or something mm. like that, if it goes on for a very long time, you're likely to get depressed. Mm. Um, and as I said before, that's often where we'll, we'll sort of pick it up initially. Um but the common associated things usually are the other anxiety disorders, as we just talked about. Mm. Um, and we're noticing things like um, uh, autistic spectrum disorders as well. And that's an area that needs a lot more work because we're mm. sort of really sort of just, you know, starting to understand those sort of things. Mm. I mean, there are some people with ASD who, who they'll have... Um, compulsive behaviours and what looks like OCD and then you'll see what I see more often is people with OCD who have you know some of those characteristics of ASD people as well so Mm -hmm. you know issues with sort of peer relationships socially not so good idiosyncratic speech Mm -hmm. specific very sort of focused interests in certain areas Mm -hmm. that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. Um, how can OCD affect the everyday life of an individual Look, most commonly it interferes because it just takes time to do things. Mm. And that's, I mean, at its most severe level, that's, you know, really, you know, we see people who, 
you know, would spend, um, you know, hours washing their hands or showering each day or, you know, would, couldn't leave the house. It would take them an mm. hour and a half to leave the house because they're doing checking. Mm. Um, or um, I guess related to that, the other sort of big effect, which I probably should have mentioned before, is avoidance. Mm. So people worry about going to a certain place because that will trigger off fears and they or they think they might do something. So, for example, near our program mm. uh, in Richmond, um, there's a kid's playground. Mm. And that is really difficult for the people mm. who have intrusive thoughts about causing harm to kids. Mm. So they don't want to walk near it at all. And eventually what we try to do with our uh, exposure therapy is try to encourage them to just get gradually better at doing that sort of thing. Mm. Um Look, I guess the other thing that's really important is how it affects relationships. Um, and generally, if your OCD starts a bit later to the point where you're able to, say, complete your schooling and have relationships and, you know, have a sort of a, a consistent relationship, you're probably going to do better in the long run because you've got mm. that level of support and, you know, something to fall back on as well. Um, when it starts really early, sort of in early teens, that sort of thing, and it really affects all of that mm. stuff. Um, but look, I mean, uh, it's some some partners are great, um, and they and they do really well, and they help. Um, other pa- other partners find it incredibly frustrating and get frustrated, and and that's doesn't usually work out so well. Mm. Um, the other thing that we're really aware of is what we call accommodation, where you know the person will say, "Oh, look." Um, worried about whether I actually hit that person as I walk past them. Can you go and check and see if they're okay? Mm. Um, or, um, you know, kids, uh, you've been outside. Could you please make sure that you wash your hands five times before you come into the house mm. or change your clothes completely? You're not allowed to wear outside clothes inside the house. And I've had that situation where, you know, uh, parents will demand that their kids, you know, in some cases, you know, strip naked, mm. um, shower and then they come into the house so Mm. nothing from the outside comes in so that obviously interferes with sort of family life you know dramatically absolutely yeah Mm. um some people might view ocd as just someone being a perfectionist or being obsessed with a certain state of cleanliness can you talk a little bit more about some of the negative perceptions of the illness yeah look i think um one of the issues that um, I was running a group earlier today. We didn't talk about it today, but we did talk about this on Monday. And people were saying, oh, I can't stand those people who say, oh, I'm a little bit OCD. Because, you know, mm. there's... Now, it, it's complicated because what we think is that OCD isn't an all or nothing thing. So you can have... I mean, probably everyone has a tendency to worry about, you know, maybe contamination or that sort of thing. And I reckon if we took just about every Australian and we plonked them in a public toilet in China, they would be horrified and they wouldn't want to touch anything there. And so, and the other thing is, you know, if you're driving to the airport about to go on a holiday, let's say, um, you know, nearly everyone's going to think, did I lock the back door? Mm. Or maybe the toaster's still on or something Mm. like that. So... Everyone can understand a little bit, but Mm. I think the difference is that people with OCD, it's intense and it's really distressing for them as well. Well, do you believe that like a negative stigma around OCD may be hindering individuals from reaching out for treatment? Look, it does, but I've got to say it's better than it was. Um, And we were actually talking about, I I run a program um, 
uh, a residential program and we were talking about this the other day and um, there's a guy in our program who's in his 70s mm. and he was first diagnosed about 30 years ago mm. and look he says, and he's right because I've been working in the area for nearly that long, mm. that you know, back then you know, no one really knew anything about OCD and there's a lot more information available now. There's brochures, there's, you know, everyone's taught, every, well, not everyone's taught, it, it's, it's sort of in the, it's in the public eye more. And I think that means that, that, you know, people are more encouraged to seek treatment. And I think when I first started, you know, it would be common to see people who'd had the condition for 10 years, 15 years, and we're just getting diagnosed now. And that's pretty unusual now. Mostly nowadays, mm. we, you know, we see people within a couple of years of the, the, the symptoms starting to really cause problems for them. Now, you're saying that's in Melbourne. What about, I mean, I happen to know of someone up in Canberra and I'm not sure what sort of access they have to services up there. You know, I don't, look, I don't, I'd be interested to hear some comment about look, Australia I think wide. It, it, that is a re, it's a re, very relevant issue because I think sort of awareness comes first and then we start to people start to realize well great we know what we've got but how, how do we get some help for it mm. and it's still a huge issue that um, you know I run a resident or a residential program in Melbourne it's the only one in the country um, ah. and we have we have we, we cater for eight people at any one time mm. um, and you know in Melbourne I think there are, you know, there's probably a two or three dozen psychiatrists and psychologists who I would recommend for treat for treating people with OCD. Mm-hmm. Now, and Melbourne's good mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to um, to Canberra because I've talked to someone from Canberra who wasn't impressed with what with the people they had there. Mm. Um, Sydney's a bit better. Um, Brisbane, there's a handful of people I know. Adelaide, there's a handful of people. Perth, there's a couple of people there. Um, we have people. Two percent of the population, Australia. Well, mm. we, we need to do better. Yeah. Um, but I mean, part of the problem is that the the you know the the mental health dollar is. I mean, yes. it's getting bigger, but mm. it's sort of still pretty limited. Mm. And if you look at most of the the public mental health services, mm. they cater primarily for people with, you know, what have been called serious mental illnesses, so mm. schizophrenia, bipolar, serious depression. Now, I think. Severe OCD is as bad as any of those conditions, mm. um, but there's sort of there's not really an understanding about that in in you know to, to a large extent in my profession and to a significant extent in in psychology as well. So we've got mm. a long way to go with yeah. regard to treatment. Mm. Well, speaking of treatment, what sorts of therapy are available for someone with OCD? I know you mentioned exposure therapy. Yeah. Is that the yeah. main? Look, there's there are essentially there are two main treatments. So. Um, the psychological treatments are the ones that have the most, they, they show the most benefit, but they're also the hardest to do. So the, the, the main one is called exposure and response prevention. We just call it ERP. And essentially what we do is we try to get people to expose themselves to the things that they're fearing and then prevent doing the compulsion, which is the response prevention. Now, it has to be done in a really gradual manner. Mm. So, you know, if we've got someone who, and again, I always go back to contamination mm. things. So we might start them with, you know, something really simple like just getting them to touch a door handle mm. and just not wash after that and see if that they can then even go and do something like, you know, maybe touch their clothes mm. or have a cup of tea or something like mm. that. And then we'll build it up gradually to get harder and harder things. Mm. So ERP is like the gold standard. And the results are pretty good if people can, firstly, if they can access it, which is what we talked about before, 
Um, and secondly, if they can persist with it, because it's actually pretty hard work. Because mm. essentially, the basic principle is we're going to expose you to something that you find anxiety provoking. Mm. So you are going to get anxious. Mm. And the the I guess the skill from our point of view is to try and do it at a level that people can handle, and then gradually build it up. Mm. Now, that's the most effective treatment. Um, there are medications that help. Um, they're not really the cure. And in most cases, probably 80 to 90% of the people I see, we use their own medications and we try to do this exposure therapy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few other therapies that, are, that have been tried. They're not really shown to be terribly good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, there's maybe some more, you know, research to go in those areas. But really it's those two areas. For any of our listeners who may be experiencing OCD themselves or know someone who is, what advice would you suggest to them? The first thing is to um, get to see someone who can who can sort of discuss it with you and and I guess make the diagnosis really mm. uh, and and try to help you understand what is actually going on. Now, um, GPs are in pretty much all cases the first port of call here now um you know there are there's a gps have done all the the college of general practice as a whole have done a lot of work in trying to improve um, gps ability to recognize and treat um sort of psychiatric conditions as a whole so that's usually the first thing but equally there's look there's lots of stuff online now there's um you can look at look uh, look up arcvic uh, Anxiety yep. Recovery Centre Victoria. Um, they have a good website which has information. Um, there's Adavic, which is Lots another organisation. There's support groups. Mm. Um, and look, there's there's a there's a you know a couple of dozen quite good self help books that talk about OCD, talk about how you treat it, mainly talking about the exposure and response prevention side of things. Um, and then there's sort of the College of Psychiatrists. You know, will there's, I think there's stuff on their website about OCD now. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, then you're looking for the people who, who do the work. And that's not everyone. <laughs> oh. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of your expertise on the topic with us. It's been really No worries. Yeah, really Thank you very much. It. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to Brainwaves today. You can find more episodes of our show at our website, brainwaves.org.au, on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au slash brainwaves, and on iTunes as well. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday at 5pm. Stay tuned for Renegade Economists. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.